It's Tuesday, August the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Biden defends Afghanistan withdrawal and Haiti braces for further disaster. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden defended America's withdrawal from Afghanistan, saying that he, quote, cannot and will not ask our troops to fight on endlessly in another country's civil war. He has been criticised for failing to foresee the rapidity with which the Taliban, which claimed Kabul on Sunday, would take the country. He blamed the Afghan government for lacking, quote, the will to fight and vowed to send 6,000 troops back to the country to evacuate Americans and allies. At least seven people reportedly died at Kabul airport as thousands jostled for space on departing flights. Some are believed to have fallen to their death after clinging to an aeroplane that was taking off. American troops who took over the airport to evacuate American citizens, allied personnel and Afghans with, quote, special immigrant visas, fired shots in the air to scatter the crowd. Road safety regulators in America opened an investigation into Elon Musk's firm Tesla after several of its cars crashed into emergency vehicles. 17 people have been injured and one killed in 11 crashes involving the car maker's partially automated driving systems since 2018. Most occurred after dark. The investigation will cover 765,000 cars sold by Tesla since 2014. Blue Origin, the space firm owned by Jeff Bezos, sued NASA for awarding a $2.9 billion contract to its arch-rival SpaceX, another of Mr Musk's ventures. Mr Bezos is unhappy that the deal to build a lunar lander was handed to a single company, rather than divided up between competitors. America plans to return astronauts to the moon by 2024. Tropical depression Grace made landfall on Haiti, complicating efforts to rescue survivors still trapped by a 7.2 magnitude earthquake on Saturday. The death toll from the earthquake rose to at least 1,419, a number likely to increase further. Grace brings the risk of flash floods and mudslides. The tremor was stronger than the deadly quake that killed over 200,000 people in 2010. Worries grew about the health of China's economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic after figures for factory output and retail sales growth in July were lower than expected. Economists blamed travel restrictions, floods and typhoons for the bad news. In recent weeks, many have cut their forecasts for Chinese GDP growth this year as the Delta variant spreads around the country. Malaysia's king will meet with the leaders of the country's political parties this afternoon to begin choosing a new prime minister. The current PM, Muhyiddin Yassin, resigned yesterday. Sultan Abdullah said holding a new election during the pandemic would be dangerous, so he will pick one himself. Getting COVID-19 under control will be the priority of the next government. And fact of the day, 6,357 people, the number of Brazilians killed by police in 2019. And now here's today's agenda. Political procrastination. Sudan's transition to democracy. Two years ago today, civilian leaders in Sudan struck a power-sharing deal with the generals who ousted Omar al-Bashir, the country's former dictator. The agreement was supposed to lead to elections in 2023, which were then pushed back to 2024. At the time, after months of protests against Mr Bashir's blood-soiled rule, the streets of Khartoum, the capital, were filled with celebration. Today was meant to be marked by an inaugural session of a legislature led by civilians. 
But on August 15th, Abdallah Hamdok, the Prime Minister, announced that this would be delayed. Mr Hamdok attributed the postponement to a lack of political will among the many contending political forces jostling for primacy in Sudan's fragile transitional government. Infighting is not the only problem facing Mr Hamdok's administration. According to the agreement in 2019, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, a general who is Sudan's de facto president, should soon hand power over to a civilian. That is another deadline which might well prove flexible. Shop till you drop. American retail sales. The mighty American consumer has roared back this year, fueling the economy's rebound from the depths of the pandemic. Data on retail sales due out today will raise questions about whether the spending wave is fizzling out as the Delta variant of COVID-19 spreads around the country. Most economists forecast that retail sales fell slightly in July compared with June. Some slowdown is to be expected, given the boom in the first half of 2021. More of a worry is how people are spending their money. In recent months, visits to restaurants and shopping centres rose strongly, heralding a return to some approximation of pre-pandemic life. But recent surveys have revealed a plunge in consumer confidence. Pessimism about the pandemic has gained traction once again. That will dampen spending. For the American economy to be truly healthy, people have to be willing to splurge in person, not just online. Greasing the wheels. Nigeria's oil industry. Nigeria's president, Mohamedou Buhari, signed a landmark petroleum bill into law yesterday, 13 years after it was first introduced in parliament. The bill was passed after considerable conflict, including a physical altercation in the House of Representatives about how much money should go to southern oil producing communities. Lawmakers eventually settled on 3% of oil revenues, far less than the requested 10%. Although much of the world is pivoting towards renewable energy, the law calls for almost a third of the state-owned petroleum corporation's profits to be spent on oil exploration. It is hoped that increased production in the long term will replenish Nigeria's dwindling reserves of foreign exchange, 90% of which come from oil. The law also tries to harmonise the regulation of a notoriously fractured industry. It might be too late. Shell said in May that it has been in talks with the Nigerian government to get rid of all of its onshore oil assets in the country. A few years ago, Chevron announced that it would sell some of its oil fields there. Others could follow suit. Ups and downs. The Anglo-Australian mining giant reports. Today, BHP, the world's biggest miner, reports its full year results. Expect bumper profits. Rivals such as Rio Tinto and Glencore have already published impressive figures. The industry has been lifted by soaring commodity prices. The price of Australian thermal coal has trebled this year thanks to growing Chinese electricity demand and production bottlenecks. Iron ore too has hit eye-watering highs despite a recent fall. Last year, coal and iron ore accounted for almost two-thirds of BHP's revenue. But problems remain for the Anglo-Australian firm. British courts have reopened a $7 billion lawsuit against it brought by 200,000 claimants following the collapse in 2015 of a Brazilian dam that BHP co-owned. And pressure is building from investors and environmental groups for the company to divest from fossil fuels. It is already selling its coal assets. It has begun talks to sell its petroleum division to an Australian firm. Flower Power 
Medellin's New Leaf In the 1980s, Medellin, then the seat of Pablo Escobar's illegal drugs empire, was arguably the most dangerous place in the world. Now, it is something of a hipster pollstar. The quote, Feria de las Flores, which celebrates local paisa culture, means that Colombia's second city is currently crowned with flowers, horses and music. On Sunday, Medellin's 64th annual flower fest will culminate in the quote, Desfilier de Silieteros parade, when local growers display explosions of sunflowers, dahlias and other blossoms on siletas, litters with which slaves once hauled rich people up mountains. Medellin has worked hard to overhaul its image. Flowers, promoted as an alternative crop to the coca plant, now generate $1.5 billion worth of exports. Significant investments have been made in the city's public infrastructure and cultural scene. Authorities have still found it hard to shake off the old, quote, symbols of evil. Quote, narco-tourists still come for drugs, brothels and to play paintball in one of Escobar's former houses. Violence is on the rise, but hope blooms eternal. Summer Quiz Week 5 Ready to beat our baristas yet again in our summer quiz? For Week 5, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting thing. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Tuesday. Which Michael Lewis book recounts the lack of preparedness of the Trump administration for crisis management? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Charlotte Perkins Gilman, who died on this day in 1935. In a sick society, women who have difficulty fitting in are not ill, but demonstrating a healthy and positive response. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.